of Diversity on Fire. This is your host, Heather. My goal with Diversity on Fire is to inspire you to think more deeply and act with more knowledge and compassion. We'll do this by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. So food is much more than nutritional sustenance. It's well acknowledged that food has the potential to bring people together, transport us to new lands, and allow us the opportunity to share in cultural experience and expression. With those thoughts in mind, I'm super excited to be joined today by Rani Mazumdar and Shintan Pundaya, who are partners in the Unapologetic Foods brand. Unapologetic Foods is a self-proclaimed group of rebels, outliers, and passionate foodies who are on a mission to redefine Indian foods. Together, they have the wealth of knowledge and experience, multiple awards and recognitions, as well as a passion for philanthropy and community betterment. Welcome to the show, Ronnie and Shintan. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ed. I'm excited to chat with you guys. I had an opportunity to peruse the internet a little bit, so I'm excited to learn more. Usually, I like to start off the episodes by getting personal, so having you guys share with the audience something about you. So a little bit about your background so that we can know who you are as individuals, um, like where you come from, what your cultural background is, things like that. Yeah. So I come from Mumbai. I was grown in a small city in um, Gujarat called, Gujarat is a state in India uh, called Ahmedabad, but I lived all my life in Mumbai till the time I was in India. I professionally started cooking when I was 20 years old. And from there I've been cooking. It's been 22 years now. So I cooked in India till 2009. Then I moved to Singapore for four and a half years. And from Singapore, I moved to Cleveland. From Cleveland, I moved to Atlanta. And from Atlanta, I moved to New York City in 2016. And uh, 2017 is the year that uh, we started working together, me and Ronnie together. Awesome. So world traveler. <laughs> Singapore to uh, Cleveland sounds, sounds like a big cultural shock. How about you, Ronnie? Sure. I personally grew up in Calcutta, uh, India, and I was there until about 12. And then I moved here, which was in 1996. That makes me about 39 now. So most of my life I've been here. And upon moving here, first generation immigrant, you know, mom, dad, all of us moved. I studied engineering like a good little immigrant boy and went on to work in the Fortune 500s. And worked for a few major places. And then that's when I realized my father was retiring. And I thought if this man had an opportunity to do what he really wanted, what would he have done? And many first-generation immigrants don't get to answer that question for themselves. Uh, so I thought it was kind of a responsibility being an only son to try and answer that maybe. And with that, we opened up a really small restaurant in 2011 in the Lower East Side. And that was the first revelation for me, as to what was happening with Indian food in America, how come it's sort of relegated, it's quote-unquote this ethnic food, it really doesn't have the representation that it needs to, while we were serving those very generic things that we consider as generic today, because I understood what it was to run a mom-and-pop shop and understood the limitations of that. But keeping that in mind, I said, maybe there's an opportunity to change that. And 
that's when Chintan and I started working together in 2017 with the sort of vision of saying, how do we bring the real food, our real vision, question the status quo, and maybe we can do a little bit for Indian cuisine. And it wasn't the coolest or the sexiest thing to do is to serve or create Indian restaurants in anywhere in the Indian community. No one grows up to be an Indian restaurant, I'll tell you right now. Um, and it's, but somewhere we had to break through those barriers because no one looked at this space as something that needed to be disrupted. People took this as two specific aspects. One, make a big statement, tell your friends how opulent of a space you can own in town, and that's one type of Indian restaurants. The other side is really mom and pop, so trying to make ends meet, trying to figure out what you know your life can be like, feed your family, etc. This is sort of that space in the middle where we took it as a choice, and we did it to disrupt, and that's maybe we have started to disrupt a little bit by now. As I mentioned kind of in the intro, it's food food can have a big impact. I believe personally anyways that it is uh much more than just nutrition, right? So, big yeah. question, do you think that food has the potential to bridge cultural divides? Totally. I totally agree with that question and I believe in it that food is something, you know, it it brings people together. The entire concept of dining and eating food is not, as you say, that it's not only to sustain your life, but it's a celebration. Think about, like, think about growing up as a kid. What would happen is everybody is busy with their life, but in the evening, the mom will say, come on, everybody else to sit together to eat the food. What was that? That was take basically getting everybody together. You did your own work. You were in your school. My dad was working, my mom was doing something, my brother was somewhere else. Now, evening, dinner time was the time everybody came together, shared their entire experience of the day, or whatever good, bad, ugly happened. And you, you know, you ate and you, you, you spoke to each other. It's like a cultural melting pot. And I think what has happened now is that it's done in a very different way also, where, you know, people from different cultures come together and eat together. So I totally believe in the statement that you said. And so when we're thinking about, because when we're thinking about the dinner table, we're thinking about uh, family. You know, that's kind of an intimate setting where we think often about family and friends. Um, When we're thinking about it in in the context of what you guys do in restaurants, where it's basically the public, right? The public is welcome. Um, How do you feel like that cultural divide is, or I don't want to know if I want to say repaired, but healed maybe just a little bit by sharing your cultural foods with someone who's not from your culture so i'll I'll give you an example for that you know like and also all our restaurants you know like we don't do fine dine restaurants we do fun dining so our concepts of dining is fun dining we want people to come and enjoy and do it like we have this restaurant called adda it's a very small spot in uh, in Long Island City, which is a very deserted location. But I literally saw people sitting next to each other and they will say, hey, what is that? And the guy, this guy will say, oh, this is this. And they would literally share with each other their foods, what they have not same thing on the table. And these are the people who don't even know each other. And that happens very regularly in most of our restaurants. Because, you know, the tables, like we try to keep tables so like, in a way where people who are sitting next to each other 
can also converse with each other, talk to each other. So we try to keep table that way. And we have noticed this, that people become friends over a meal over there in restaurants. And that's why we say our restaurants are fun dining. They are not at all serious dining restaurants. I love that. And I wonder, so I feel like maybe that maybe that answers what I was going to touch on next is. Like I'll, one more, yeah, one more thing I'll add. And this is a very funny yeah. incident that happened. When it happened first time, I couldn't understand it, how it happened. But when it kept on happening regularly, I thought it's just how people in New York are or how people are. Like we used to have this big table at Adda and it was for six people. But if we had a, because it's a small restaurant, when we had a reservation for four people, we would sit four people over there. So I remember this day and because it was a small restaurant, it, it was always packed. Like you couldn't find a seat over there. So there was a table of four sitting over there and this couple came in. And they say, oh, we want a table of two, no reservation. And I said, you know, honestly, we just don't have any tables open or anything. Excuse me, sorry, you know, we sold out for the night. And that table was exactly at the entrance of the restaurant. And that table turned around and they said, hey, guys, do you want to eat with us? And these guys are like, what do you mean by eat with us? And they're like, just sit with us. It's a table for six. We are only four. Come join us. And they literally joined them and it became a table of six. Oh, that's amazing. And and it was happening very often over there where people had a table of four and somebody comes in, most of the time they'll just offer, come sit with us. They would sit and dine with them. That's fantastic. So do you feel like the fun dining or or that, that concept, do you feel like that's one of the primary things that separates you from other restaurants? Um, I, I think it is one of the things where, you know, like, Obviously, our food is very different. Every restaurant that we do, the food itself is very different and touches different parts of India. And this is like the kind of food people will eat in India, actually. And this is not a commercialized version of Indian food. This is a rustic version of Indian food. And with total integrity and, you know, like the best quality ingredients are used to deliver that right food. So these are the USPs of our restaurants. I want to talk about the concept of unapologetic. So I love the I, unapologetic is fantastic, but I personally like I would never have thought to apply it to food. Do you think that were there specific areas that you guys thought like previously that you felt pressure to apologize for or maybe that you were holding back? People are still doing it where, you know, like where when I say we, I mean Indians, you know, I'm just talking in that way that. We are so scared to cook the actual real food. And every time we cook the food like this, and somebody says, oh, this is not like this. And we would just go and say, oh, I'm sorry. Let me change it. Let me do this. Let me do that. And there was always this thing, oh, this food is spicy. This food is like this. This food is like this. And the first instinct we had was we would just go and apologize. Oh, we are extremely sorry. Even though I knew that this is the right food and right what I wanted, but I would still go and apologize. And that's when we realized that what are we trying to do? You know, what has happened is the more we keep on apologizing, the cuisine is not going to move forward. It's going to move backward and backward and backward because what we are doing is we are trying to please everyone. But in that pleasing everyone, we are losing the soul of the food, which is actually our cuisine. And that's when we decided that we would never, like if you come to our restaurant, like if you go to any other Indian restaurant and all with all due respect to them, if they, if you go and say, I want a mild food, they will make mild. If you say spicy, they'll make it spicy. If you say medium, they'll make it medium. In our restaurant, we don't do that. 
we only do one kind of food which we believe is the best representation of indian food and that's where the entire concept of unapologetic food is okay that's fantastic so you're basically saying i'm going to make it the authentic way and if you don't like it the authentic way that's okay you just don't like it i don't get to change i'm not going to change the authenticity of it to suit your profile yeah and i think also what happens is when you keep on tampering your food so much there is no identity for your food you are, just there is no identity people don't really, like we people we have a lot of indians who come to us and say to us that this is the first time we are feeling proud of getting people to indian restaurant they said we never felt that way any time where we were getting our friends to they were more ashamed to get people to indian restaurants and these are all people who have told us that the customers say that to us so it has been a big learning for us also so i wonder so for the the um unsophisticated palate so for me or the general person that doesn't know necessarily what an authentic indian meal or authentic whatever we're talking about what would be indicators do you think there's anything for us to be able to distinguish uh, between what is authentic and what is kind of a an americanized version I, i i cannot speak for other restaurants but if you actually dine at our restaurant you will literally see a difference in everything that you eat from the smallest bite you will take to the largest dish you will order there is a significant difference in everything in a right manner you know like i'll give you an example like we make our own paneer in all our restaurants paneer is like the cheese that's the only form of cheese that we eat actually like it's a fresh cheese and we actually go backwards and try to source the best quality milk in the market to make our paneer and we spend a fortune of our money on that just to make the best paneer you'll eat in america and we have a open challenge about it that if you can get a better quality paneer than what you eat at damaka if you go to damaka eat paneer if you can get a better quality of paneer than what you eat at damaka get the paneer get your receipt from that night we'll give you cash and nobody takes you up on it people initially take it till the time they don't try it once they try it they are like we are sorry you were right yeah <laughs> so it's really about experience it's about and it doesn't like a lot of people think we are talking out of arrogance about it it's not about arrogance it's our commitment to elevate our food to elevate our cuisine because indian food has never been you know like associated with quality it was always associated as a cheap buffet food in quantity so it was never associated as a cuisine which can deliver a phenomenal quality of cuisine and that's what we are working on that's what we work towards to emphasize the quality and the time that it takes to put into it without making it kind of snooty i guess because i like i like the idea that it's not like super upscale it's 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 you said fun so anybody can come and enjoy it's fun so you know i'll give an example if you come to a restaurant our glassware is from ikea our our plates are stainless steel plates but so somebody asked me oh why do you use a glass from ikea they said why do you use the plates a glasses from ikea i said let me give you an example i can serve you a water in a glass from ikea which is for 1 dollar or i can serve you a water from a 20 dollar glass the problem is when i use a 20 dollar glass somehow you are going to pay that money to me so our vision is not to spend that 20 dollar on a glass but use that money on buying the right ingredients 
to deliver that right quality to you and give you the best value for money. And I heard you say something. I we had talked about this before. I watched a video um that I found and yeah. you you used this phrase that I love and I wonder if you can kind of bring us down that a little bit further and kind of explain what it means to you. The phrase that you said was um the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. What does that mean to you? It's like, you know, like a lot of times you look at a skyscraper. You look at a skyscraper and you say, "Wow, how tall it is." So to build a tall skyscraper, the maximum amount of time you are spending is to create the base. If your base is weak, the skyscraper will always fall down. So the base has to be strong. So when I say that, you know, the more you sweat in peace, is that the more you keep on practicing and working on, like, to let's say I want to make the best paneer in the world, but if I don't focus on the core. ingredient of making the paneer which is milk i'll try everything but if i buy a cheap quality milk it's not going to give me the best quality paneer so i rather put all my energy efforts in sourcing that perfect quality of milk than make the paneer making paneer is the easier part sourcing the right quality of milk is the difficult part it took us at least 10 to 12 months just to find the entire logistics and the right place from where we can buy the milk so a lot of people think oh they just buy the milk and they make the paneer but it's not about that we had to put so much effort even till now between all our restaurants i need to spend me and one more person have to spend 9 to 10 hours a week just to source everything from meat to seafood to vegetables to dairy it is not that i do it once and it's done it's a relation that needs to be kept on building and kept on working day in day out. So, it's funny because you had also said something else that I want to bring up that I thought was interesting is uh you always have always cooked with red onions. And when you came yeah. to the states, it was the first time you ever saw a, a white onion and you made an effort and but but you you weren't getting the results from using that white onion that you were getting from the red onion the reason why i'm saying this is because i think it really exemplifies the care that you are taking in what you are using in the ingredients see and that's what i'm saying what happens is that we think like let's say i'm making a chicken dish let's say just for sake of it i might buy the best chicken the most expensive chicken in the market that is possibly there and i try to make a dish with that but then when i'm using other ingredients i don't focus on delivering right quality in those ingredients i use some random ingredients and then when i eat the dish i'm like ah it doesn't taste that great maybe the chicken is not that nice but it's not about the chicken it's about everything around it so when i used to eat, when i came first to this country i would go and eat in all these indian restaurants and i couldn't understand why does it taste so different like there is no depth of flavor there is nothing which i can relate back to india and when i actually started cooking which was after a week i was in america first one week i was just eating everywhere to understand what kind of indian food is served here and then after a week when i actually started cooking i realized that everybody was actually using white onion because two things one it was readily available and second it was cheaper in price that's why everybody was using it and that is what was impacting the final dish to be very mediocre and that's why like a lot of people come to us and ask us like why does the food taste good over here 
or why does it throw space so different from what other people are doing and i say it's just smaller things that we do right it's the small things that matter yeah it's the small things and i think most of us overlook those small things the more you focus on the smaller things is when you'll get the bigger product right the time period that we're in right now i'm curious if you can share the restaurant industry is known to be one of the worst impacted from the pandemic um how has it been for you guys going through that and what what are the biggest lessons that you think you have taken from from those challenges i always say this in many ways that in this industry it's kind of like building a bridge as you're walking on it that's what it always feels like and i think covid forced us to not even walk but to fly <laughs> it was a very unique situation because the very thing that created the industry is getting people together in a singular space and enjoying and sharing those moments the very thing that makes this industry tick is the one thing we could not do so therefore it created an unbearable set of challenges for all of us but i think the learnings have been to appreciate things further to understand that it it's a little bit of of a mental game in the end you can be defeated if you allow yourself to be defeated and that's a choice that we made early on earlier on in the pandemic when we realized there is no way there is not much of an option no one has a darn clue including the government we were on a call with the mayor and we still understood that i don't think he really knows the answer to where we're headed so if you truly don't have an answer all you can do is sit back there and go into this spiral of depression and say i have nowhere to go or say that i'm going to make every single day from here on better even though i don't know how but i'm going to make better choices i'm going to somehow keep that motivation going and i'm just not going to allow myself to be defeated by this moment and that's essentially what was the litmus test for our group um so we took a lot of steps within this time of pandemic that was ludicrous i mean we opened a restaurant full service restaurant Damaka which is now the number one restaurant in the country which is we opened it in February 14th 2020 2021 and this is like dead practically middle of pandemic there was no takeout no delivery being made because we felt this is the conviction this is where we're headed we can take a look at that moment and let it define us or we can understand that this is probably a little bit of a blip in the radar and somehow get through it and survive to tell the story we took the latter choice Yeah and I'll I'll just you know I'll just add on to something that Rodney said that what we also realized is that you know we never closed even for a day during pandemic and I think it was also the people who are our guests they actually gave us more confidence because these were the people who would actually call up and I remember like this guy would come pick up food he would buy food for $100 leave $100 for the staff and he would do it every week so i asked him like it's okay you don't have to do it every week he says you know what i love you guys i feel that your commitment to the community is very big so he says i want you guys to survive through this and it actually had a very big impact on all of us and you know there were certain team players which worked with us in this entire thing so we actually told everybody you whoever wants to work can work we'll pay you full salary you don't have to worry about it and let's just fight through this entire scenario and i think it's also the guests and the staff which helped us you know just uh, swim through this entire time and there were like many many examples like this which actually changed our perception of the how people think about 
Susan, who used to dine every Thursday at very specific times, when everything shut down and she was not coming to work because we did her work, she literally started donating on a GoFundMe campaign that hundred dollars every single week, and it was incredible. Sorry, it was not hundred; it was like twenty or twenty-five. That was like the value for her meal, but it's not the the thought process. I reached out to her. What's going on? Like, why are you doing this? She's like. If you guys were open, I would have been dining there. I want to be there to support you. I think that's the true testament of a restaurant, fabric of a neighborhood, makes our communities. And essentially, I think it's to what Chintan said. It's not something that is our courage is not drawn just from ourselves. It's drawn from the all the people, the teams who support us to get us to this point. That's amazing. Podcast has to do with sharing people's different experiences and hoping that people will open up and be more open to different things, right? So with that in mind, I have to ask you guys about this um, experience that you put together, uh, Arrow Banquets, Arrow Banquets, which is fascinating. I have to have you tell us about this. Sure. Um, funny thing, we'll do a little plug. On April 15th is when we're doing a little pop-up of that in Brooklyn and probably Bushwick. It's coming up. It's in planning right now. We'll do it for three or four days. Just some, you know, fun things. Conversions of virtual reality with time. Now, when you look at your dining, anyways, when you're in the room, you have tactile, very specific elements that you can touch and feel. But the reality is, ask yourself, why do we play different songs? Why does the light evolve? Why do we create these mood lightings? Somewhere to your environment. We're trying to influence you to have a better experience. That's what restaurants are essentially about. Right? Even if it's glass from Ikea, it has a story to tell. That's why it matters to you. So, for us, the idea was how do we, what if we could change that very environment and tinker with it? Would it actually alter how you taste it? So, we created an entire concept where we put on these VR goggles and you're transported to a whole different reality. And imagine trying strawberries for the very first time, which you can no longer do. If I give you a strawberry, the moment you see it, your mind already knows how it kind of tastes. Maybe it's a little bit sweeter, maybe it's a little bit sour, but you can never do it for the very first time again in your life. But this experience allows you to re-experience things. If it's a strawberry, it might taste like something totally different. And that's what an environment does to all of us. So it's really this crazy wild idea in partnership with an amazing um, visual artist named Mattia Casalenu, who we have teamed up with to create this. And, and I think there are the future for this is just astounding. Oh, I agree. I'm fascinated. And I can't imagine anyone hearing about it that would not be fascinated and would not want to experience it. Because um, that sounds amazing. And you said it's April. What was it? May. Sorry, May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May 12, 13, 14. Fantastic. And we'll make sure we're going to link your um, website and everything. So I'm sure everyone, as as long as they kind of keep in touch with you guys, they'll have that information. Um, I want to open it up and give you guys the opportunity to share. I'm sure you have a million things you're working on. This, of course, is a big deal. Um, Share anything that you want to share about your mission, what you're working on. Sure. Um, Look, for us, I think the purpose of doing what we're doing is to, as unapologetic Indian, not about being an Indian person. The idea of unapologetic is to be yourself 
and your best form without compromise. That's really it. And that could be anyone from any different culture, heritage, diversity. Uh, our chef de cuisine, uh, who is now eating, Ramata, is a person of Filipino background. So, so he's been with us for five plus years. It's not about that only Indians can cook Indian food. Our team, our staff, everything. There's a bigger sense of diversity. It's because we all are bound together with the idea that we can be really who we are. And I think that's a very important aspect for all of us. We talk about celebrating our differences together. It's not about we all don't have to look and talk exactly the same way, but I think it's great that we're different. That's what makes life so exciting. We can gain different perspectives, and only when we celebrate that, we can truly understand each other's perspective and really respect it. I think that's a bigger mission for all of us, is that the next generation, the coming generation, shouldn't feel ashamed of cooking Indian food the way we act. But they might be proud of it. And they might actually, it might give birth to another idea of, like I said, a unapologetic Filipino, Vietnamese, and all of these things where, God, you know, I, I remember growing up where I would tell my mom not to cook fish in the house when my friends were coming over because I used to feel ashamed that the house would smell like fish. But as if, like, I took personal responsibility for how fishes in the world smelled. And it's, you know, weird for a high school student to do that. It doesn't make sense. But that's just what it is. Culturally, we I felt like inferior in many ways that, ooh, the way we cook, it has this smell. The way so-and-so's mom would cook, it would just be a little fillet of salmon. But the truth is that fish needs to smell like that because that's what makes fish what it is. And we all understand that. Understand. And I think that's sort of the broader part. Chintan, I know that you started cooking really, really early. Do you remember where your passions came from, or did you want to share anything about how your passions manifested? My 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 passion was eating food for free. That's it. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I, this has been awesome, guys. Is there anything else that you want to share? No, I'm. I think we are fine. Okay. Fine. So I just want to touch the last three questions, and they're quick. Um, first off, is what is the one thing that everyone listening can do today? Um, to challenge the norms of their own community. Be yourself. I, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's it. So be yourself. Don't be ashamed of what it is. You know, a lot of time we do something thinking how person sitting across is going to think about me. Just keep that out of your mind. Do something which is going to, you know, excite you or something that you are proud to do. Do something that you love it. That's it. I think in many ways, we all think that maybe us in our most honest form isn't what the rest of the world is going to respond to. But we think that because we haven't seen many examples of ourselves out there. But I think what is most important for everyone to understand is when you are yourself, for actually that vulnerability from you is actually liberating many more than anything else. It's not exactly that we all look or talk the same way, but how much our confidence is drawn from who we actually wish to be. Fantastic. I love that. The uh, next one is I always ask the guests to give us five words that they would use to describe themselves. So you can either do it for each other or you can do it for yourself, whatever you guys would like. God said that you do it for yourself first. Five words. I'm a very simple guy. <laughs> that, those are five words. <laughs> oh, wow. That was that was beautiful. Most people stumble on that. You just psh, done. Got it. Okay. I'll put you wrong. Yeah, I'm a very simple guy. Trust me. Everybody thinks I'm very complicated. I'm not. I'm a very simple guy. Fantastic. Ronnie, you go now. If I had to pick, I would say probably um, relentless, um, determined, 
empathetic, goal-oriented, and liberated. Perfect words for an entrepreneur. Uh, where would you guys like for people to go to stay connected with you and to stay up to date with what's going Instagram, on? Instagram, that's the place to be. We're not on Twitter. Instagram. We're not on Twitter, but I think Instagram is the way to go. Very little on Facebook, but Instagram. And we're finding you at unapologetic. At unapologetic, unapologetic is that the NYC handle? NYC is the handle, and then okay, awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining me. This is awesome. I will definitely be visiting when I'm in New York next. I wish you guys all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Just let us know whenever you're in New York. Just connect with Stephen. Just let us know. Please be our guest. Awesome. I would love to. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening in today. I hope today's conversation really sparked some interest for you. I know we were talking a lot about food, but the concepts that Shintan and Ronnie both brought up far exceed food. Their mission and their um, value in authenticity and showing up as fully yourself and not apologizing for it is something that we all could stand to do. So please hit follow so you never miss an episode. Share the show with everyone you know. Check the show notes so you can connect with Unapologetic Foods and keep up with what they've got going on. Certainly visit if you are in the New York area. And until next week, don't forget to check your bias and keep that conversation going.